Uh, this morning, I want to share from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before we get there, I want us to go to your first classroom. This is our English language classroom, okay? So we're going to look at, this never works for me, ever. There. No, I'll do it, I'll do it. The metaphor, okay? The, say the metaphor. the metaphor. Okay, so we're in our first classroom. A metaphor is a figure of speech that describes an object or action in a way that isn't literally true, but it helps explain an idea or make a comparison, okay? So you all know what a metaphor is. We find them in poetry, we find them in many genres of literature, and anytime someone wants to add some color in what they are trying to say or communicate. It's a form of figurative language that refers to words and expressions that mean something different from its literal interpretation, okay? So, love is a battlefield, metaphor. Bob is a couch potato, metaphor. Baby, you're a firework, metaphor, okay? What about some famous ones? JFK, the, American kill, the Americans killed him, by the way. It's definitely a conspiracy. JFK said this, America has tossed its cap over the wall of space. Now, does space have a wall? No. Bob Dylan said, chaos is a friend of mine. This one's from a big mate, Graham, who's sick at home. You ain't nothing but a hound dog crying all the time. Elvis. Graham loves his Elvis. Mad about him. Seen the movie 10 times in a row. Definitely mad. Now let's do a little Bible test, okay? Up for a wee test this morning and see who knows their Bibles. Can anyone tell me what these phrases and metaphors from the Bible are speaking about? I'll probably give the answer away because I wrecked my thing. What are these words, mostly from the Apostle Paul, trying to communicate, okay? A flock, okay? The household of God, the pillar of truth, a holy temple, and a dwelling place for God. Does anyone have any idea this morning what Paul has in his mind when he writes these words? Tell me. The church. The church. Good. Carol knows her Bible. At least there's one. Okay, so Paul is talking about the literal church. Okay? Now, if we want to be really accurate, technical and fussy, which I like to be and we need to be, okay, because we need to understand what words mean so we can use them properly. It's the ecclesia that Paul is speaking of, okay? Church is not a good translation. It's just not. This common Greek word that Paul uses in the New Testament is more literally translated as the called out ones. The called out ones, okay? It is God's assembly of believers. It is God's called out people from the world of which we are a part. Church, understand this this morning. We are part of his flock. Amen? Help me out this morning. Or as Brother Hugh says, little flock. Little flock, okay? We are part of his flock. We are his sheep, and he is our great shepherd. We are also part of his household, the universal household of God. We are also his temple. We are his dwelling place. And as if that isn't an enough glorious truth for us this morning, church, the called out ones, those of us who are believers in the one true God, we are also parts and members of what? The body of Christ. The body of Christ, okay? 
Say it with me. The body of Christ. Another wonderful and worthy metaphor that Paul uses to speak of the ecclesia, the called out ones. You know, it's one of my favorite metaphors in all of the New Testament. And that's our topic for this morning. Look, it's a topic and a subject that I love. And I pray that as I share from the Word of God, that you will be blessed, that you will be built up in your faith, that you will be drawn closer to Jesus and be challenged to do even more to serve Him as you live out your life in surrender and submission to His pure and perfect will. So this metaphor, this picture that Paul the Apostle is trying to paint for us of the body of Christ, where do we find it in the Scriptures? Well, the first place in the New Testament you'll find it is in the book of Romans, written to Roman believers around between 55 to 60 AD. I know that many of us have read and studied this exceptional theological treatise from the pen of the apostle. Church, it's it's an amazing book. It's a wonderful book. It's a letter filled with so much truth concerning Christ and his called out ones. It's filled to overflowing with thick theology in the first 11 chapters, and then Paul moves into a more practical and pragmatic sense, giving the believers there in Rome some very helpful advice on life in the faith, on instructions on how to live out this newfound faith and freedom in Jesus. Look, we all know, if I asked you, how does Paul start Romans 11, or Romans 12, sorry, you all know it, don't you? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present yourself Present your body, sorry, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? Romans 12. Paul then goes on to say these words. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself or herself, more highly than he or she ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And then we read of this metaphor for the first time in the next phrase. For as we have many members in one body, for as we, who's the we? The ecclesia, the church, those who Paul is writing to. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Church, what a wonderful portion of Scripture. It's great, isn't it? Within it, we find Paul painting for us this picture of the church, the called out ones, as a body. As a body. And this is the metaphor, this is the metaphor that we are focusing on this morning. The church... The called out ones together make up the body of Christ. And what do we learn in this verse we just read from the hand of Paul? Firstly, there is one body. Say one body. Say it again. Try and stay awake for me this morning, okay? One body. And that body is made up of many members, or we could use the word parts, okay? Many members or many parts. Is it okay if we geek out for a little moment? I love to get into things. Is that okay? We're going to go to our biology class just for a moment, okay? And talk about the human body. Our human bodies are made up of living and non-living components that create the entire structure of the human organism, including every living cell, tissue, and organ. On the outside, human anatomy, it consists of the five basic parts, the head, the neck, the torso, the arms, and the legs, 
However, beneath the skin, there are countless biological and chemical interactions that keep the human body machine ticking over. Look, our bodies consist of a number of biological systems that carry out specific functions necessary for everyday living. Simply, the body is made up of 10 cooperating systems, and found in some of these systems are the, what we call the vital organs. What are they? The brain, okay? Now, I know there's a few of those missing this morning in here. The lungs, okay? The heart, the liver, and the kidneys, okay? And if you really want to geek out with me, here are some amazing facts about the body. The human body contains 37, sorry, 37.2 trillion cells, trillion. The human brain contains about 100 billion nerve cells. Water makes up more than 50% of the average adult's body weight. I have a lot of water. I carry a lot of water. So do you, Carol, amen? Anyone else a water carrier in here? <laughs> Aye, use your line. <laughs> That's my excuse anyway. We all have one body, but as we can clearly see, we have many parts and many members. Cells, tissues, muscles, organs, systems, an incredible piece of design work invented and brought to life by the great creator. Never forget that, the great designer. And this is the metaphor, the analogy that Paul is trying to get into the minds of the believers there in Rome. So we know that there are many members and parts that make up our bodies, and we know that each part has its own function. Every member is there for a reason, and every member has its part to play in the proper functioning of the body. And what did Paul just tell the believers in Rome? We just read it. For as we, the believers in Christ, have many members or parts in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Did you hear that, church? All the members do not have the same function. Another version has it like this. Our bodies are made up of many parts. None of these parts have the same use. Paul is saying here that just as the literal human body has many parts, so does this body of Christ. And every member of that body, every part has a different function and a different purpose as does, part, as every, as does every part of the literal human body. I hope that's making sense. Is it making sense? Good. Paul then closes this short paragraph with these words, repeating himself, so he gets the message across loud and clear, okay? He writes this, so we, that's the called out ones, being many, are one body in Christ, but that's not all, church. He says, and individually members of one another. Now listen to this and take this in this morning. Don't miss this, church. What is Paul saying here? Well, the new life version has the last phrase like this. Listen to this. We are all different, but we what? Depend on each other. That is vital, church. We need to get that. We are all different, yes, and that's exactly the way God designed it and he wants it to be in his body. Do you know what? I believe God loves diversity and he loves variety. They say variety is the spice of life and I believe God is fully behind that. And he loves it when the parts of his body can depend and can rely on one another. And he loves it most of all, church, when all the members, all the parts are working together, depending on one another, and getting the job done, fulfilling the mission. 
What a truth this morning. What a picture of the church, the ecclesia, the assembly of God, the congregation, whatever word you want to use that Paul is painting for the believers in Rome. And you know what? These words that were written all those years ago in AD 55 still ring true and they still apply to us today. Don't they? Yes, they do. Paul continues in his letter to the Romans with a few more phrases concerning how the members of the body, these different parts with their various giftings and abilities, are to use them in the service of God in the assembly. You can read those later when you get home. I don't have time this morning. But for now, I want to jump over to another of Paul's letters where he again writes concerning this body of Christ, using this wonderful metaphor to bring more truth and encouragement into the lives of the believers. So we're going to the city of Corinth. And Paul begins chapter 12. Excuse me. Church, is this making sense this morning? Are you following? Yes, amen. Paul begins chapter 12 of his first letter. It's, technically, it's a second letter, but that's for another time, okay? This is what we call 1 Corinthians. And he begins chapter 12 with an emphasis on spiritual gifts and how they are to be an integral part in the proper functioning of the local body of Christ. He tells the believers that he does not want them to be ignorant or uninformed about these matters. Paul speaks of a diversity of gifts, but church from the same spirit, from one spirit. He then speaks of a difference of ministries, but all serving the one Lord. He then talks about a diversity of activities, but that it is the same God, the one God who works in and through all. But the vital thing that he makes clear is that all of the gifts, all of these different and diverse giftings and abilities and talents are being given to the body of Christ, the church. Why? For the profit of all. Say that. For the profit of all. Some of you aren't moving your mouths again. For the profit of all. Listen to this passage in the New Living Translation. Look, you can't go away this morning saying that you didn't understand. I'm going to make it really clear for, for you, okay? There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. There it is, church. Does that not sound exactly like what Paul wrote to the Romans? The message doesn't change, church. It's, it's a consistent message. Paul doesn't change his mind on this. Paul, are there different kinds of gifts? Paul says, yes, there are. But the same spirit is the source of them all. Paul, should there be variety and diversity of abilities and talents in the local church? He says, yes, because that is exactly the way God has designed it. Paul, should there be various types of services, service and, and, and ministries? Yes. Why? All serving the same Lord. All serving the same Lord. Church, God loves diversity and he loves variety. And his heart is that this leads us into what? Unity. Unity. Not uniformity, but unity. Diversity, not division. Unity, not uniformity. You see, uniformity is no fun at all. It's boring it's boring when everyone's exactly the same, isn't it? Imagine if we were all like Carol in here. It'd be terrible. <laughs> Imagine if we were all like me in here. It'd be awful. We'd all be falling out with each other. We'd all be falling out with ourselves. <laughs> well, we'd have a lot of drummers. <laughs> nothing, and nothing else. Church, 
Our God is a creative God. And he designed us all to be different so that we would have diversity in this body of Christ. That's why a body with many members, with many parts working together, functioning as it should, with a diversity of gifts, with a variety of ministries, but all done by the same Spirit for the one Lord in unity and in love. Amen? That's what the Lord desires for his church worldwide and in here at Glamachan. That's what he wants for his body in this local expression. Yes, the body of Christ refer, does refer to all who have ever believed, who now believe, and in the future will believe in Jesus. It's universal. It's worldwide. It's both a great mystery and a mind-blowing concept that we, church, we here at Glamachan, who live, work, and worship in Belfast, are part of something that reaches all over the world. We're part of the biggest business in the world, the biggest organization that the world's ever seen. We are members of the worldwide body of Christ and we have our part to play in the mission of God and in the purposes of God and in the mandate of God. Do you want to be part of that? Yes. To go, to teach all nations, to make disciples, to share the love of God and the commandments of God. We are part of that worldwide body. You're a part and so am I. But don't fail to see that Paul, when writing these letters, he is writing to a specific group of people at a specific time in a specific place. Yes, of course. Those Romans and Corinthians were full members of the worldwide body, but they also formed within their own communities and context a kind of mini ecclesia, like a, you know what a light version of something is? Like that, you know, Coke light. It's a, this is like an ecclesia light. Think of it as an ecclesia light. Each fellowship each assembly of believers, wherever they meet, wherever they gather, wherever in the world, it's like a smaller, local, miniature version of the worldwide body. And it's no different for us here in Belfast. Where we are right now, meeting together, we are the body of Christ. All that we read from Paul concerning this mystical, metaphorical body of Christ applies to the worldwide church of which we are a part. Look, let's get back to the text or we'll be here all day. Promise I'll have you out by one o'clock. And uh, that's the time we used to finish that. Now, don't be complaining. My papa would have had you here to three. <laughs> now, come on. Come on, church. Let's get back to the text. Paul continues the same theme in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one, one member, but many. Okay? We can't pass this over. We've got to stop here. Church, by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That's how you got here. That's how you got your membership. That's how you became attached to the body of Christ. At the very point, this isn't talking about water baptism, by the way. At the very point of salvation, that moment when you understood what Jesus had done for you at the cross and you repented, you confessed, you turned around and walked towards him, you were baptized into his beautiful and glorious body. You became a part of this worldwide body. And as, and, and as a result of that, you became a part of this body at Glenmachan. And what about that other phrase that Paul uses? You have all been made to drink into one spirit. Believers this morning, we are all drinking of that same spirit, the very spirit of God. 
And I don't believe it was a one-time glass like this. It's never done. It wasn't a one-time cup. It is a continual drinking from the very Spirit of God. And that is one of the greatest benefits of being a part of his glorious body. Look, then comes the clear truth again. This metaphor, this analogy that Paul uses, and he loves, the body is not one member, but many. Many parts, one body. Say it with me. Many parts, one body. You know, I would love us for the rest of our time this morning to read through and have the Lord show us some things in the rest of this passage in 1 Corinthians, and I hope that's okay with you. We know it so well, and I do pray that the Lord will speak to your hearts and minds as we share this morning. This is verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, look, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God, sorry, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. I love having the chance to study, and I love discovering things about the Word of God. I love discovering things about the text that I didn't know, because I am a geek, I'll admit that. It's the way God made me. In terms of background, whether it be culturally or geographically or economically, whatever, I love learning things that I didn't know before. And... Uh, has anyone ever heard of Aesop's, Aesop's Fables? Carol, don't lie. <laughs> anyone else heard of it? Karen? Aris? Thespian, the old Thespians? <laughs> Aesop's Fables. I'd never heard of them, but I'm glad some of you have. Well, there exists a fable that was written by a man called Menevius Agrippa. I'd love that name, Menevius Agrippa. And this fable was entitled the belly and its members. And before, this isn't about, our, about me and you. Me being the belly and you being the members. Sorry, that didn't, that didn't go down well. It's not about me and our church. It's a story concerning a dispute between the feet, the hands, and the stomach, okay? And in this fable, the hands and the feet begin to grumble. Oh dear, it already sounds like a church. Woo. Due to the fact that the stomach gets all the food. The hands and feet do all the work to get it, but, but it's the stomach that reaps all the rewards of the food. They complain that the stomach refuses to supply them with any nourishment or sustenance, so they stop bringing the stomach food. But after a while, they begin to see sense as they realize that they are in fact weakening themselves by cutting off food from the stomach. 
They didn't realize the truth that when they were looking after and feeding the stomach, they were, in fact, looking after and feeding themselves. You know, many scholars believe that Paul knew this fable and had this in mind when he penned these wonderful words to the Corinthian believers. What is the message of the fable and of the words that Paul writes in this letter? Simply this, church, every member matters. Every part is pivotal. It's a team effort. It's a team effort. All members are to be equally valued for the part they play. A multiplicity of gifts, yes. Various talents, yes. A diversity of of abilities, yes. But we cooperate together. That's the way God wants it. We all need to recognize the vital part that all members play. Say that with me. Every member matters. Take that with you this morning. Everyone in here has something to bring. Everyone has a part to play in the body. And you know what? The body needs everyone to play their part. Or as we read in this old fable, things can begin to deteriorate really quickly. Church, the truth is this morning, this passage is written to those perhaps who don't see themselves as useful. And I want to speak to you for a moment. Those who maybe see yourselves as disposable. Those who maybe see yourselves as dispensable. Those of you who maybe consider yourself a little bit useless with nothing to offer and nothing to bring to the table. There's not, you're wrong, you're wrong. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's a lie from the devil himself and you need to rebuke that. Sorry we get emotional about this. I feel strongly about this. Give me a minute. You are valuable and you have something to offer. How do I know this? Pete, how, how do you know this? Because God put you here and he values everybody the same. You know, modern social media has, people play the comparison game all the time. All we do is see the highlights of everyone's life and we feel like we should be doing that or why did I get that or why did I not get that or I should be there by now, I'm, I'm behind in life. I, it's destroying us. The comparison game in the body of Christ will get you nowhere fast. Comparison inside the body gets us all nowhere and it will leave you feeling excluded and useless. Can I give you some advice this morning? Know that you are valuable to God and that he wants you on his team. Start to use what God has given you and keep your eyes on him and not on the people around you. There's no rankings in the body of Christ. There isn't. I might be standing up here on a platform, but we are all equal, church. We are all equal in God's eyes. No gift, no ability, no talent, no personality, no character is more valuable or more useful in the eyes of God than any other. No person, no matter how gifted, no matter what they can do, or how able, is any more valuable than anyone else. That is the truth. Church, do you know what we need to do? We need to all stay in our lanes with our eyes fixed on Jesus, serving him, serving others with what he has blessed us with. Church, we've all received something by his stewardship. Do you know what to do? Find out what it is. Find out what you enjoy. Find out what you're good at. And then use it so that the body can function to the best of its ability. Church, we need you. 
We need you to do what it is that God has gifted you to do because I don't have that gift. Please stop playing the comparison game. Focus on what it is you're called to do and then go and do it. Just go and do it. Stop messing about. The body of Christ needs you as a member and as a part to assist and help with the mission. The whole body can't be an eye. Look, that would be utterly ridiculous. The whole body can't be me, okay? The whole body can't be an ear. It wouldn't work. What does Paul say? God has set the members, all of the parts, each of them in the body. Is that it? No, just as he pleased, just as God pleased. God put you in here. God put you in the body, and he put you where it pleases him. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you want to upset the Lord? It's a serious question. Do you want to upset the Lord? Then don't. Get on with serving him in the body. God decided how he wanted you and where he wanted you, and now he just wants you to use the gift that you have, your personality, your character, your abilities, your giftings, to serve him and to serve the body of Christ for the profit and the benefit of all of us. God loves diversity, God loves variety, and he loves us working together in unity. Amen? Can you say amen to that? Are you all still awake? Just as the hand can't say to the foot in the literal body, I don't need you, so no one in the body of Christ can say the same to anyone else. Do you know what that is, church? That's pride. There's no room for pride in the body. None. We need humility. We need meekness. We need long-suffering. And we need patience. I definitely need the last one, Lord, please. Pride will destroy the body. It will bring division, and there's no place for it in this church. You know, self-seeking and self-serving is another thing that we need to watch out for in the body of Christ. Sometimes in our literal physical bodies, one of our members, one of our parts, one of our organs can start to only serve and look after itself. It doesn't contribute to anything. It doesn't bring anything to the rest of the body. And everything it gets, it uses to feed itself and sustain itself. Church, do you know what we call this? Cancer. Cancer. Don't be the person that brings it into the body. Don't be the one who has their eyes only on themselves and brings sickness and disease into the body of Christ. Don't be that person. We must do all we can to guard against it, and humility is the first step. Equal hands and hearts, equal parts. Paul tells us that those members who seem to be weaker are necessary in the body. And Paul here is speaking of those in the body in the fellowship who are more susceptible to injury. Is it susceptible or susceptible to injury? You see, to understand this passage that Paul is using, to comprehend what he means, we must keep it in the context of the metaphor in the actual literal body. Verse 22 is concerned with the more sensitive parts of the body. And we know who those people are. (laughs) Maybe you're thinking I beat that you. The brain, the eyes, the extremities, all those parts of our bodies that are sensitive. But these things are necessary. 
If anyone tells you that the brain is not necessary for the proper functioning of your body, stop, be quiet, and have a listen for the hamster wheel going in their head. The sensitive parts, those most susceptible to injury, are very necessary. Then verse 23 talks about those parts which are less honorable and unpresentable. What on earth is Paul talking about here? I've always wanted to know, but that's never looked. Well, simply, the less honorable and unpresentable parts are those, if you will excuse the term this morning, that should not be exposed. We cover these parts with clothing, but upon them we bestow a greater honor. You see, these parts of our body are, in a sense, sacred, protected, and valuable. We don't let, anyone and anyone, don't let everyone and anyone see these parts. They are special, in a sense, but vital and important as every other part of our bodies. And then look at what Paul says. But God composed the body, having, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Or as the new living has it, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. Church, God has joined this body together. Of that I am sure because the Bible tells me so. He placed all the parts where he desired and where it brought him pleasure. And God wants no schism. He wants no division in his body. There's no place for it. And we are to do everything we can to fight against it. Will you help me? Will you help me? Say yes. Yes, amen. I love that the New Living Translation uses the word harmony there. I love it because it's a musical word. There's nothing like hearing a great three or four part harmony, is there? All of the harmony, harmony lines flow, following the melody line in unity, not uniformity, but in diversity, not in division. I want our church here. I want us to be like a gospel quartet or a barbershop quartet, individually singing our own harmony lines, but all of them together forming the most beautiful song. Diversity in unity. Harmony, togetherness, many members, but one body. Church, no matter if you're a hand or you're a heart, you have a part to play in the mission and the purposes of God in this local body and in his worldwide body. Do you believe that? There is no ranking system, as I've said. There's no one more important than anyone else. You know, earlier on, we, we talked for a moment about five vital organs in the physical body. Well, let me make this clear this morning. We are all vital organs in this body. Forget about the heart and the kidneys and the, whatever, the brain. We are all vital. There's no one in here that's more vital than anyone else. You might think I'm more vital than you are. It's not, it's not, it's not true. We are all vital. Hands are vital, feet are vital, ears are vital. Just as vital as the liver, the heart, and the brain. You're a vital organ in this body. Don't forget it. And we're all on an equal playing field. If you use what God has given you, and I use what God has given me, we can have that wonderful diversity that God has designed, and we can have it working together in unity as one together. Can you say amen to that? And then we will care for one another. That's where it leads. That is what the body of Christ is all about. Hearts and hands, this morning, we are all part of something that is bigger than ourselves, but we are a part of it, 
And that's what matters. I'm coming to a close soon, I promise. From today, as a church, as a body of believers, let's strive to celebrate the diversity that we have in here. Can we celebrate it? Can we affirm it? Can we encourage it? Can we build each other up in it? Let's affirm the gifts. Let's, let's confirm the abilities in the brothers and sisters around us and encourage them to press on. Some of us might be having an awful time. Let's encourage that person to just to keep, keep going, fight the good fight, keep serving the Lord, keep serving the church, and keep serving one another. Let's celebrate each other. That's what the church is about. Not fighting with each other, not stabbing each other in the back, not talking about one another. It's about building each other up and saying, Carol, you're doing a brilliant job. I affirm your gifting. I celebrate you, Marion. I celebrate you, Irene. I celebrate you, Dino. I affirm what you're doing. You're doing a great job. That's what we need to be doing. Not, did you hear the hack of him this morning? Or did you see the state of her? Or what's she doing that for? I should be doing that. Get your eyes off other people. Stop thinking about yourself. Let's start to celebrate each other and affirm one another. Church, we can do so much when we're united. When we are one with Christ as our head. Hands or hearts, but equal parts. I am coming to a close, I promise. Diversity and discipline. Harmony and humility. Compassion and care. Love and long-suffering. Those are the things that we should be striving for. Those are the things that we need in this body. It will bring a sweet unity. Something that the Lord desires. Church, hope you've got the message this morning. And if you haven't, let me read you one last verse. Why don't we stand together as David comes to lead us? We'll have you out by half, past, half 12. We'll just, we're gonna sing together and respond to the word. Look at this verse from the voice version. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You are the body of the anointed, the liberating king. Each and every one of you is a vital member. Did you hear that? Each and every one of you is a vital member.